Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. Today's the beginning of our podcast, which I'm super excited about. The Trauma Healing Collective podcast. Yay. Can't believe we're finally doing this. We're finally doing it. So I have questions for you. Um, Uh Just go ahead and jump right in and we'll just do it. Take it wherever it leads us. I'm going to start with our signature question that we are going to ask everybody. um, And that is in your current role, how do you work to destigmatize trauma? Yes. So really excited about this question. I'm excited to hear how other people answer it. But um, for myself, I would say that I, I think probably the biggest way that I have committed to this, um, this kind of goal for that we kind of have for our company and for myself personally is just by being open about sharing my own story. Um, and of course I try to do it in the appropriate times and ways and places and making sure I'm doing it with people that are safe. Um, but just really being clear that I'm not ashamed about my experiences, about my own trauma, about my own difficulties, um, because the reality is that they've made me who I am today and I'm really proud of who I am. And so, um, I mean, the, the truth is that I've had to fight really hard to be this version of myself of who I am today. And there was a really long time where I wasn't always proud of who I was, um, And there was actually a time, you know, not even that long ago that I didn't think it would ever be really possible for me to say what I'm about to say and actually like truly mean it. But I actually do love myself now. Um, And I know people say that all the time and it sounds kind of cliche, but um, it took me, you know, 38 years of really, really hard work um, to get there. But I can actually truly say that I love myself. Um, doesn't mean I'm perfect or I don't have flaws, but I actually really love who I am like inside and out and doing that really hard work to get me to this place, to be able to say that and mean it now, um, has been really worth it. And so I'm not ashamed of the things that have happened to me that I've been through that I've had to work through. And I really want other people to experience that. So that's kind of how I'm committed to helping destigmatize trauma is being open about my own experiences. Definitely. I totally agree. And what do you mean by loving self? I think that that is Uh, what people get so confused about, you know, they're like, well, I don't feel it. Like how, how did you get to the place of being able to say, I love myself? Yeah, that's a good one. So gosh, there's a lot to unpack there, but, um, so I think probably the biggest piece of that for me is stemming back to like diet culture. Um, and I mean, I went on my first diet when I was in third grade. Um, so I grew up kind of hating my body. Um, from a very young age, I was called fat for the first time in kindergarten on the bus. I have a very clear image of that in my mind, um, Mm -hmm. sitting here right now today. Um, and so, and like being able to say that out loud, like probably even like four years ago, I would have been too ashamed to even say that. So, um, huge progress in the last, like even several years of just the work that I've done there for myself. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I 
struggled. I mean, I, I used to like every day, like have like a mental struggle of like, okay, if I can lose this many pounds, like maybe then I'll be good enough to like, you know, do this thing or like go, you know, this place, or maybe this person will, you know, love me or uh, I'll be enough, you know, like it was like a mental gymnastics, like every morning when I'm getting ready. Um, and so, um, you know, like, I know we've talked about this a lot with our clients and you and I have talked about this a lot. Um, but you know, I, I read a couple of years ago, the fuck it diet, um, and just completely changed my life. And before that I'd worked with a nutritionist and done a lot of intuitive eating work. Um, but what she talks about in the book is how those of us who have struggled with, um, you know, just chronic dieting for years and years and years can turn something as beautiful as intuitive eating into just another diet, which is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that book really just helped me let go of all of the just baggage that was surrounding everything that had been connected to like my poor body image and just really self-hatred. Um, yeah. and so it took a lot. It was, it wasn't about food for me. It wasn't about binging. It was about the fact that I really just didn't like myself because society had told me that my body and the way that I looked was not okay. And that I needed to change it to be accepted. And so, um, it's been a process and there's still moments where I have to like re like tell myself that like, Nope, like everything that I was taught for, you know, my entire life was, was not okay. And I have to like retrain myself still sometimes, but the liberation that's come from like actually realizing that like, no, it is okay. If I don't ever lose a pound again in my life and I don't have to like stress about food or dieting or anything like that anymore. And it's just completely changed my life. So that's a big piece of where I'm coming from when I say I love myself. And there's also a lot more of the like internal, uh, stuff too, not just about my body, but that part had to come first before the other stuff could be really, really strong. So thank you for sharing that and unpacking some of that stuff. I know that I struggle with that stuff too. And a lot of our, a lot of our clients do. So thanks for being transparent about what that actually looks like for you and how you were able to actually feel love for yourself instead of just giving lip service to it. Right. Yeah. That's a process for sure. Oh my God. Right. Well, we'll switch gears a little bit. I was wondering what your Enneagram type is. Yeah. Okay. This is a fun one. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I know some people may not know what the Enneagram is and I didn't learn about it probably until like later than a lot of people. I was kind of late to the game, but it's a personality typing test for those of you who may not know, which I typically hate personality tests. Like I run from them cause I hate being put in a box. Um, but this was the first one that I actually, like love because it doesn't really put you in a box. And in fact, it talks about like, if you're healthier, you might lean towards this number. Or if you're like in stress, you might lean towards this. If you're in growth, you might lean towards this. And so there's, you're not really it like stuck in one fixed thing. However, um, I most strongly identify with the one, uh, personality type of the Enneagram. Um, and it is, um, 
you know, I, I would say in the best uh, light is the reformer, um, but maybe in the more negative light is the perfectionist. And I definitely consider myself a recovering perfectionist now. Um, that's been his own journey in my life. But um, I think the thing that's most interesting about this question for me is that when some close friends of mine were telling me about the Enneagram and what it is, and they were like, oh, you should take the test, you should take the test they told me that they thought I was an eight. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that means. Like, it's just a number. Mm -hmm. But then when I read the description of an eight, I was like, oh my God, they think I'm mean. Like that's painful. Like that's really hard to hear. Uh Um, so when I took the test and realized I was actually a one and then started reading and learning more about it, I realized that the reason that people that were actually like fairly close to me and I thought knew me pretty well, the reason that they assumed I was an eight is because I never let people in Mm. on my internal struggle because Mm. I am my own worst critic. I am my own worst like enemy. Like I am the hardest on myself. Like I hold myself to the highest standard and I'm never good enough. Like but I never tell anybody else that at least I did not before I learned about my Enneagram type. And so I realized that like my perfectionism and like, just always needing everything to be like the best and always like thinking about how we can make things better and how we can fix things came across as really rigid and demanding to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that and, and hearing that was really helpful in my growth process, because then I was like, oh, if I just let people know that, like, actually this is coming from a deep place of like feeling like I always have to be better, not that yeah. everybody else does. Um, it really helped me like have much deeper, more meaningful relationships with people around me. And, um, it's been really healing for me. Um, and it's also really helped me. I was already, I already considered myself a recovering perfectionist when I learned about this, but it really helped me let go of a lot of that stuff. So, um, if you total sense. Yeah. So that's another reason why I really like this because it really helps you kind of understand how you interact with the world and how maybe like others around you maybe perceive you that you didn't really notice before. And it really just helps you have more meaningful connections with people. I think at least that's been my experience. Yeah, totally. Oh, I think we're closing a little bit. Sorry. There we go. We're back. We're back. Can you see me? Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah. So this actually, my answer to this kind of ties into that, like Enneagram one type, like feeling like I always had to be perfect and like get everything right. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think my advice to that idealistic little girl (laughs) would be to just learn how to have fun and be okay with making mistakes like sooner than later. Um, and to just be like newsflash, sweetheart, like perfection does not exist. And there's just really no amount of doing things the right way. That's going to protect you from, from getting hurt from, you know, just, just the world. Like it's gonna, it's gonna beat you down. Like there's going to be things that you just can't control. And so like, just enjoy, like be present, live in the moment. Like those were things that I had heard, but like 
it, you know, it took me this long to figure out like how to actually do that. So I wish I could just be like, baby girl, just live your life, (laughs) you know? And yeah. So that's, that's what I would tell her. I don't know if she would listen, but I know, right. I'd try (laughs) (laughs) 18 year old me didn't, you know, kind of knew it all at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, so I know you're kind of already started writing a book, but if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? Yeah, I should be done with this book by now. I've been working on it for way too long, but (laughs) you know, starting a business kind of threw a wrench in that plan for a little while, but, um, yeah. yeah. So during the pandemic, I had the privilege and honor of taking a writing class with Tomi Adeyemi, Mm -hmm. who's the uh, author of the children of blood and bone series, which if you haven't read that, highly recommend. Um, but I took a class with her, um, virtually. And, um, so through that class, I started writing a, um, my first novel, which has been like a goal of mine since I was very young. Um, but it's about, um, uh, like a dystopian society with like spiritual abuse. And, um, the main character is a female badass who, eventually escapes and is gonna somehow, some way I've got the outline down, started working on the first draft, but eventually she's going to like take down the group and save the world kind of thing, but not sure exactly how it's going to all pan out, but, um, it may or may not be loosely based on, you know, my personal experiences and life goals, but you know, (laughs) so that's kind of what I'm, I'm working on, but it's very slow, but I, as long as I can finish the first draft before I die, I'll be, I'll be happy, but (laughs) that's amazing. I want to read that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited. It's, it's been fun to like learn about the writing process and and how it works and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. So does it bring stuff up? Like as you're writing, do you go through emotionally some stuff that you were like, Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. (laughs) And just, yeah, because I, you know, I originally thought I might write a memoir and I may still do that at some point, but it's been kind of fun to do it in this way instead, where it's like, you get to kind of play with the characters a little bit and, and kind of be a little bit more creative with the story. And, and you also don't have to worry as much about like hurting people's feelings this way. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) I made it up. It's it's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, cool. Well, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody that's starting out in your career? Yeah. So, um, I do have the privilege of being a supervisor for people who are working towards licensure and also a consultant for EMDR. So I get to have these conversations, um, kind of often, but Mm -hmm. I would say probably the best piece of advice, um, is to get really comfortable with discomfort, um, and with not having all the answers, um, or find another career. Um, because this, you know, you can never have the right words to say to clients. You can never have all the answers. You can never have all the knowledge, Um, but being able to sit with a client and their discomfort and their pain and their hurt is the most valuable thing that you can offer. And so if that, if you can't do that, if you feel like you always have to fix it, if you feel like you always have to have an answer, if you feel like you always have to have the solution, 
then this career, this field, especially with trauma is just not going to be a good fit for you. Um, and then the kind of the addition to that is to be willing to be a forever learner because there's always new research. There's always new information. There's always new protocols, um, even within EMDR that you just have to always be willing to learn and grow and, and be what the client needs you to be. So, Mm -hmm. um, those would be my, my best pieces of advice for, for somebody. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this too, because, you know, I do the body, you do the mind stuff. Like mm-hmm. when would you say that the person would really kind of know? Cause like, would it be in school or would it be an internship or would it be like in that kind of first year or two of practice that like you, that, that you would be like, you know what, this isn't the right field. Like how would yeah. somebody, how would somebody know that and like save themselves, mm. you know, uh, a lot of of heartache of like compassion fatigue and burnout. If this isn't, if this isn't a field that they, you know, they theoretically wanted to be in, but practically they just actually can't, can't do it. Cause I know a really good question. Yeah. Cause I know people in massage school, you know, I remember this one lady who was in my class that was like, there's no way I'm ever going to touch a foot, you know? And then there were these other people who were like, I don't want to touch bodies, you know? And so mm, like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. they kind of found out, but with mental health, like when would that kind of be, would it be the compassion fatigue or would it be the, like, yeah. I don't want to hear people's problems. What, what would right. you think? Yeah. I think that's such a good question. And I think it really depends on, so I think obviously trauma is really specific. Um, and so I think that a lot of people find out in their internship, um, and then a lot of people maybe decide to go on and get their PhD because maybe they decide they want to do more research or teaching as opposed to doing like the hands-on, like in the trenches work that we do. Um, But I think, you know, and maybe this is going back to the original question, another piece of advice that I maybe should have started with is you've got to do your own work because that ultimately is the thing because, you know, you can't be comfortable with the discomfort if you aren't comfortable with your own stuff. Um, and so I think maybe that is actually the answer, like before you even go sign up for grad school, like go to therapy first um, and work on your own stuff, because it's going to come up, whether you're doing trauma work or whether you're doing behavioral therapy or whatever work you're doing, you're inevitably going to be triggered. And so maybe do therapy yourself to kind of see what it feels like to be on the other side of the room. And, and then see if you think you could hold that same space for a client who, you know, you're on the other side, um, because it, it is, it's challenging work and you have to know how to take care of yourself, like in therapy in the practical things outside of therapy in the office, um, But yeah, I think a lot of people find that an internship, Um, but there's also, I mean, you know, I think another piece of advice along those lines, um, because there's different, you know, there's, there's the social work route and then there's the mental health route. And so, you know, a lot of people who maybe aren't sure if they want to be like a straight up therapist, like in the room with clients, social work might be a better route to take for grad school because you actually have a lot more options. 
Um, okay. You can be a case manager or things like that if therapy isn't for you. Whereas with mental health, you really kind of are in the therapist role um, right. or you, you've got to go back to school. So yeah. that's another, another thing. If you're kind of on the fence of you, if you actually want to be a therapist or not, you may want to consider doing social work for your master's program. Cause you have a little bit more flexibility after school with that. So yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Cause I don't know if everybody knows kind of the difference. Yeah. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, so what is one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Yeah, I think there's so many, God, this, this job, I love it so much. Like, I can't say that enough. Like I, I know that I'm really lucky to have a job that I'm like excited to come to every day. And like, I, I'm just so happy. I love the people that I work with. I love the clients that I get to work with every day. I know not everybody has that experience. So I'm really grateful for that. But, and I was just sharing with somebody last night, a friend that, um, I'm so grateful for my clients who like allow me to be a part of their experience. And like, you know, I get to learn so much about people's cultures and backgrounds and, and their experiences. And so I just feel so grateful for, to get to do what I do every day. It just doesn't feel like real life sometimes, but it is, it's my real life. Um, but, um, but what on that note, I think the thing that I've learned is that each person is truly the expert on their own internal experience. And the only way to really truly understand the why behind somebody's behaviors or their interactions with you, or like what's happening, the decisions they're making, um, is to ask them what's going on inside of them. Um, because, you know, in my role as a therapist, and I've been doing this for a while, like, you know, yes, I'm like an expert. I don't even like that word, but like, you know, I've been doing EMDR for a long time. And so I have a lot of skills and knowledge about that, but so sorry. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not the expert on that person and what they've experienced in their lifetime and what's happening inside of them. in that very moment that we're sitting together, um, and so whatever's going on, I think so many times we often jump to the conclusion that, you know, well, they're doing that because of something about me, like, or it's about me, you know, or they're upset with me or, you know, I'm offended or whatever. And chances are the majority of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Right. Healed for them yet. Um, And so I think that there's just so much beauty and so much um, just connection that can happen when we try to understand somebody on that deeper level. Um, And so I just hope that, and I think that's where the true like healing and like changing the world that we want to do, that's where it starts is really being able to connect with people on that deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. All right. So I've got one more question for you, and this is kind of a fun one. Yeah. Uh, what are three movies, books, and or TV shows that you'd recommend to our audience and why? 
Okay. So this is a fun one. I love this. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. I just, I have so much fun with this stuff, but, yeah. um, so I picked some fun ones and some serious ones. So, and I picked some from all categories. So, so movies, um, I started with the Mario movie because I just took my girls to see this. And let me tell you, I have not laughed that hard in a really long time. Oh. It was so <laughs> funny. And, you know, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. I was like, it's just a kid's movie, but no, Mm -hmm. so funny. Brought back all the (laughs) memories of playing Super Mario as a kid. Uh Also, Princess Peach is a badass and (laughs) she was like killing it the whole time. She was not being rescued. She was helping rescue. So highly recommend. Um, And then Another one that, um, this one's been out for a while, but I, I'm thinking of movies that I've watched recently in the theater. Um, but I watched, um, Black Panther Wakanda forever, um, was one of the few things I've seen in the theater recently. Um, and that just kind of wrecked me. So like bring all the tissues, um, Mm -hmm. lots of grief trigger warnings there, but man, it was just, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. And then, um, another really funny one, um, that I watched recently and this one I streamed, but it's white men can't jump the newer oh, one. I haven't seen that yet. I want to, oh my God, it's <laughs> so funny. And it does have like a, um, the white guy is mm-hmm. very into like holistic healing and therapy mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really funny. I love it. Um, so that's, those are some movies. And then some of my favorite TV shows that I, um, have liked recently is the bear, Mm -hmm. um, which is a really good one. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but it's, there's trigger warnings there too. Um, lots of like, um, there's some, uh, trigger warning for like suicide themes. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, um, just lots of mental health themes in there, but also really, really good, um, writing and, um, but there's also some comedy there too. So it's like a really good mixture of those things. Um, and then probably my favorite new show that's come out recently is shrinking. Um, oh my God, I love show. <laughs> it's just like perfection. No I mean, I know I said earlier, perfection doesn't exist, but if yeah. it did, it might be the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't you. seen that, watch shrinking, it's the best. I think that's on Apple TV. It's on Apple. Um, yeah. yeah. And then because we've been doing like the spiritual abuse group and stuff, I wanted to mention this one. Um, Midnight Mass is like a limited series on Netflix that kind of is just probably the best thing I've seen that kind of represents all the like deconstruction, spiritual abuse stuff that it's just really beautiful. So that's my TV shows and then books. I'll do this one really quick. Um, Probably my favorite book um, overall right now is Braiding Sweetgrass um, by Robin Wall Kimmerer. It's a, um, you know, I'm a plant lady. So she is like a PhD botanist, but a Native American. And so she just talks about um, like reciprocity and um, just how, just the Native culture and how we can kind of learn from that and, and hopefully grow as a society from, you know, how, how things used to be here. Um, and so it's really beautiful. Um, and then kind of, a I was going to say fun. It's not really fun. Lots of trigger warnings with this one too, Mm -hmm. but it is also a beautiful book. Um, 
it's by Matthew Quick, who wrote Silver Linings Playbook, mm-hmm. um, which is also a great movie. But um, We Are the Light, um, really beautiful. More grief themes there too, but um, and also trigger warning for like uh, shooting stuff. Um, but really beautiful, like um, redemption stuff there. So beautiful, beautiful book. Um, and then the last one is one of my favorites, um, the prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, it's, um, like poetry, um, some of my favorite stuff in there, just really deep, powerful, um, meaningful stuff. So lots of, lots of fun and, uh, deep stuff in there. So Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you were like, oh my God, I want to talk about this thing. Um, I mean, you know me, I could talk all day, but I think I'll probably just, (laughs) (laughs) that's a loaded one too. Uh Um, no, but probably, um, I will just give a little shout out to EMDR. Cause you know, I could talk about that all day, every day. Um, but yeah, just, um, just really loving. I will say I'm very happy that our new employees here, we've been able to kind of like talk shop about EMDR a little bit. So I've been like, a little nerdy, like giddy kid, almost getting to talk about EMDR with her. And we're getting excited about, you know, talking about like brainstorming groups and stuff like that. So that's been really fun. So, um, I think that's kind of the, the biggest thing is just having somebody to nerd out with EMDR every, like about EMDR every day is really fun. So I'm excited to have Ashley here, but yeah. Yeah. And I forgot to say in the beginning, you know, that uh, we're Shay Atkin and Kim Christian, the oh, yeah. founding partners of Trauma <laughs> Healing Collective. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And Kim is a licensed mental health counselor with all of these other letters behind her name. So if you maybe <laughs> want to say like who you are. <laughs> oh, that might help. <laughs> we can yeah, I think it, you right? just did. Like, yeah. yeah, we can edit. Yeah, yeah. So who are you? Yeah. So I am Kimberly Christian. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, one of the founding partners here at Trauma Healing Collective. And I am also, um, so I'm certified in EMDR and child parent psychotherapy. And I'm also um, certified in adoption competency therapy as well. Um, and then I am also a consultant in training and facilitator in training for EMDR. So I'm working towards, um, being able to do more facilitating, um, with the EMDR, like basic trainings, um, which is really exciting. So that's a little bit about me. Hi. Hi. I and bye. Yeah. Cool. Well, that concludes our first ever podcast. We did it. We We did did it. it. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to end this and then we can have a little powwow. Yes.